Welcome to the Monday Morning Message, a podcast of Grace Community Church of Delaware. My name is Jared Cooper, the host of the Monday Morning Message, and on our podcast we seek to consider and discuss the biblical implications and life issues that come out of our study of God's Word. And as always, uh, and finally back together, it seems like it's been a long time. Little break, yep. Yeah, with uh, Pastor Paul Shirley. So how you doing, brother? Doing well. Glad to uh, be back on. Back with you. Yeah, man. How was uh, California? California treat you well? Yeah, a little, uh, little preaching duty out there, a little vacation time with family. So enjoyed the refreshment, fellowship with some believers, and it's good to be back home. Yeah, it is good to have you back. Good to be able to uh, discuss uh, some things that we've been learning in God's Word. And, and I want to talk about that very thing, how to learn from God's Word, and specifically as believers, how we should be studying our Bible. Um, I was reading through a uh, uh, there's a passage, a thing on the internet, and uh, it was saying that about a guy who was studying his Bible and studying it the wrong way. And I, this is an old thing, but it talks about how, you know, you, you kind of flip through and just see whatever the Spirit guides you. And he turns to Matthew 27, 5 and says, and Judas went and hung himself. And then, you know, he turns over and says, in, in Luke 10, or Luke 10, 37 says, go and do likewise. Right. <laughs> and then, you just flip around your Bible and get in trouble. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, do, do what you're about to do quickly from John 13, 27. So that's not, that's not a good way to study your Bible. And we all right. know that. And that's, you know, that's a foolish thing. But that being said, you know, what are some, what are some things that, uh, as we look to study our Bibles, you know, pick a book to study through, uh, what are some things that, uh, as believers we should be doing? Well, I think, Effective Bible study starts with a proper mentality. It starts with humility as you come before the Word. Uh, I think that a lot of believers don't get enough out of their Bible study in part because of the pride that is unrepentant in their heart. Um, how do you how do you evaluate that? Well, part of what you can do is that if if when you read the Scriptures, the only thing that ever happens is that your life and your opinions and your preferences are confirmed every time you read the Bible, then there's a good chance that you're reading in pride, not in humility. Because God's Word is not conforming to our will, it's conforming to God's will. So if you're never corrected, if you're never rebuked by the truth, uh, those are issues. I mean, if you think through your study of Scripture and you can't think back to the last time you had to adjust your thinking on something then in all likelihood, you're not um, submitting to the scriptures in the way that you should. And that, that's where that mentality comes in. There's the, the, a proper approach to studying your Bible begins with a humble submission to the Word of God. Uh, knowledge of the truth, of course, can puff up, as Paul told the Corinthians, but, but it's when we truly submit to the truth of scripture in humility, that's uh, that's when the scriptures start to be a powerful influence in our life. Uh, so the most effective thing that you can do to study your Bible well is to start off with the right humility, a right mindset, a mindset of humility. And then, of course, when it comes to the actual interpretation of scripture, you've got to understand the meaning of the text. At some point, you have to interpret the meaning of the text. So what does it mean? You have to look at the context and, and evaluate it by the context. What I think this passage means, could it possibly mean that based on the context, the original audience, the original author? Additionally, you have to test your interpretation by the actual words of the text. Does this match with what the words say? 
Is this a superficial interpretation that just picked a couple of key words and then launched off into some theme that I already agree with or, or enjoy? Or does this actually match the language in the grammar of the passage? So you got to test it with the context. You got to test it with the words of the text. And then you have to test your interpretation with the rest of Scripture. Would my interpretation of this passage contradict some other passage in Scripture, some other true theological truth that comes from Scripture? And this is the principle of allowing the Scriptures to interpret the Scriptures. So I need to make sure that my interpretation of John chapter 1 matches up with my interpretation of Genesis chapter 1, and so on and so forth. So, so that's how you begin to make sure that you are properly interpreting God's Word. And this is a holy calling for God's people. Make no mistake about it. It is no small thing to misinterpret Scripture. It is. If you take the words of God and you twist them, even if it's unintentional, you will be responsible for not uh, taking care with God's word in the way that you should. You, you look, you look back at what the scriptures say about false teachers. These are men who twist the truth and twist the scriptures to match their opinions, their preferences, and their agenda. If you do the same thing, then then you're just as guilty as them. You may not be some big teacher somewhere, but if you're posting these things on Facebook or you're sharing them with their friends, you're trying to influence people with a wrong understanding of Scripture. And and that's something, if you see that in your life, as a true believer, you should quickly repent of those things because you do not want to misrepresent God. You want to make sure that what you believe comes from the Scripture and, and that what you are saying to others and trying to influence others with uh, comes from the Scripture as well. And, and if, you ever, if you ever find that something that you've said, taught, or believed isn't in line with the Scriptures, then you need to have the kind of humility that repents of that and comes back to the truth of what God says. So you've got to start with a, a humble mentality, and then the aim is to rightly interpret what God's Word says. So could you maybe uh, expound a little bit on when we come to a text of Scripture with uh, a, a predisposition or, or an understanding of what we think the text should say or mean? Because each of us have hopefully over time developed convictions, and you know, even if it's from a theological standpoint, when we go to texts and we read them and we say, look, that does prove what I believe is true, and, and hopefully that's accurate, but how do we guard against that maybe if we have the wrong interpretation? Well, part of it is when you come to a text, don't come to a text to prove your point. Come to a text to understand what it means. You know, I mean, that's part of that mentality that I'm talking about. God did not give you the Bible so he, you could prove to all, everybody else in your life that you're right. Uh, God gave you the Bible so that you could know Jesus and follow Jesus. It's, it's really that simple. Maybe if you wanted to add a third point to that, and I'm a preacher, so I always want to add a third point to things. Make sure but, it's alliterated. Right. It, it, God gave you the Bible so that you could know Jesus, follow Jesus, and tell other people about Jesus. Right. I mean, that, that's why we have the Bible, not to prove our point. So it starts with, I'm not coming to a text to try to prove my point. And then it's just the mentality of be, being willing to say, hey, I could be wrong about something. So I constantly need to test myself with Scripture. I think one of the biggest hindrances that people have in the Christian life and in their study of God's Word is the kind of pride that just intuitively assumes, I must be right. That's what 
causes people to avoid input from others in their life. That's what causes people to avoid uh, discipleship. Uh, as Proverbs says, he who isolates himself seeks his own desire. And that's what's going to cause somebody to, to come to Scripture and read into God's Word what they want to be there rather than carefully examining what God has actually revealed to be there. Um, so again, that mentality is is key, and then just testing it with the wor- words of Scripture. Could the original author have meant what I think that he meant, and how do I know it? Uh, just just start with those questions, and, and that's going to help you in your study of God's Word. So you had mentioned context too, and that's a big one. And you kind of touched on it just a minute ago there. But you know, when we talk about context, what are we talking about? So we're talking about the author, we're talking about the audience, we're talking about what was going on at the time. Yep. You know, all those things. So how does some of that play in? So you got the background material, like who wrote it, to whom was he writing, when was it written? Those things will help you piece it together, um, uh, the your interpretation together, and and add nuance to it. Additionally. What did the author say just before your passage, and what does he say just after your passage? How does it fit in the context? You hear this all the time. You know, people have something come out in the media that makes them look bad, and what do they always say? Oh, my words were taken out of context, and so, and many times that's true, right? Well, we don't want people doing that with us. We we wouldn't want people to take our words out of context, so we need to make sure that we're not taking. God's word out of context. So how does this fit into the overall context or the argument of the book that's being written? Uh, And of course, there are lots of resources that are going to help you to discern that, whether it's commentaries from faithful Bible teachers or study Bibles from faithful resources or, or different resources like that. But the best resource you can have is to just read the scriptures. You know, I, I'm, we're, we're getting ready for a study on Sunday mornings in the Gospel of John. I'm trying to familiarize myself as much as I can with the Gospel of John It's in its entirety so, so that I've got an idea of what's coming, what's being said, how does all this fit together. I'm not just taking a verse at a time and then I'm blind to what's coming ahead of me and I forget what we've already covered. I'm trying to fit it all into the overall context of the book. And then, of course, test that with the overall context of Scripture, that it doesn't contradict something else God says. If my interpretation in the book of John, for instance, contradicts my interpretation from our recent studies in Galatians, I got one of those two wrong because the Bible never contradicts itself. So I'm, I'm constantly trying to match up my interpretation with what's there in the text to make sure that the two of them coincide. So what do you think some of the first steps we should take? So I'm about to, I'm about to begin a study. I, I want to get in the word. I want to make sure I'm going to start my study right. You know, what are some, what are some things I need to, I need to start with? So what are some first steps or maybe even I'm, I'm teaching on a passage. Maybe they got a call from me. I'm going to teach Sunday school this right. week. I got the commentary here from the lesson plan, but you know, what, what are some things I need to start looking at from the text of Scripture to understand it and be faithful with it? Well, the first thing you need to do is start by praying. Um, Spirit inspired the text, and he'll be the one who illumines it, enlightens your eyes to it. So all Bible study should should not only begin with, but constantly be an act of communion with God. You know, I'll constantly get the difficult parts of a passage 
and and just be talking to the Lord. Lord, I need your help here. Lord, what does this mean here? Um, in praying in humble dependence upon the Lord to help us. We can't have a method that can replace the Spirit. Was it the Word became fresh? Wasn't that the Dale Ralph Davis book that you had shared with the guys? And we were yep. reading through that, and he was like, how many times have you had all your commentaries out, and you're starting to write your outline, but you've never actually prayed through the text? Yep, yep. And I think that's actually probably the best introductory book on Bible study and hermeneutics that I'm, I can think of off the top of my head. The Word Became Fresh by Dale Ralph Davis. It's actually a book for preachers, and I don't know why they market it that way because it's really a book on Bible study and how to how to study the scriptures. I think it's it's probably the best. I mean, what is it? What is it like? One hundred twenty pages. I mean, I read it, so right, <laughs> <laughs> right. So so the word became fresh. Uh, it, it I think it really is the most helpful resource, kind of in that little niche there uh, of a good uh, good little book on how to how to think through hermeneutics, how to study your Bible, that kind of thing. And, uh, and yeah, he makes that point that it's got to start with prayer. That's, that's so important. Uh, and then from there, you know, if I'm doing a, a study, I, I'm, I'm trying to read um, as much as I can of that book. You know, I'm trying to read Gospel of John over and over, familiarize myself with that and work through that, jotting down notes as I go, jotting down questions as I go. Um, I always read my Bible with a pen in my hand. And, and I'm just jotting down things on paper or jotting things down on the notes app on my phone. You know, sometimes I'll pull over on the side of the road and just put a bunch of notes as I'm thinking through things. Um, yeah, you do the Siri, hey, take a note, and then she never takes it right. And then you're like, man, I got to stop. And just exactly. We have so many Apple devices in the room right now. I cannot believe you just said, <laughs> hey, Siri. I mean, I'm surprised. That is true. I didn't even think about I'm that. I'm surprised that all these devices that we have here didn't just ding. Uh, but... So yeah, now I'm reading through it. I'm taking notes. I'm making observations about it. Then if I'm going to do, uh, you know, whatever passage I'm trying to study for that day or uh, or working through, I'll isolate that and start to look at the different words there. What do the different words mean and how do they fit together grammatically? And then once you've made a number of observations on your own, then you start picking up other resources. You start uh, reading through some faithful commentaries. And even when I'm, so for instance, I've got my phone loaded up with sermons from the Gospel of John that I'm just listen, listening to all the time now, just to get my mind there, try to immerse myself in the context of John and start to just kind of intuitively pick up on the logic of of John's writing and thinking. And so so just kind of immerse yourself in that and keep wrestling with it until you have clarity on what it actually means. Yeah, no, that's helpful. And, and you, you talked about a little bit about asking questions of the text. Uh, I also want to talk about cross-references too. I mean, how, how helpful are the cross-references in your Bible when you're reading through to look at cross-references? I mean, do you recommend, you, you, do you do that? And then do you recommend as we're studying, do you, you go through those cross-references that are available? So I would recommend that those cross-references be kind of near the end of your study. Um, try to come up with the interpretation. So when you're studying, like let's say you're studying through a chapter of the Bible, just go through each verse and try to summarize, what is this verse saying? And how does this verse fit into the passage? And once you kind of come up with some ideas of, okay, here's what this verse means, and here's how it fits into the passage— then start looking at the cross-references to see if that matches up with what the rest of Scripture says. But remember, when you're interpreting a passage, 
you're interpreting that passage, not the 12 other passages that are similar to it. Because each text, even if it has the same theology and similar language, it's making a slightly different point. You know, First uh, Peter 5 is different from Acts 20, but there's going to be a lot of similar language there because both are dealing with the subject of, of shepherding and leaders in the church. And I've even seen you do that in your preaching. I mean, you've maybe towards the beginning, maybe more so, but but now I don't I don't think you hardly ever bring up a whole lot of cross references. But when you do, you always try to interpret that text as well so that it's clear. And I think sometimes, and I'm talking about teaching specifically. I think some guys use a lot of cross references because maybe they're just trying to almost proof text what they're preaching and make sure it's accurate. I want to prove it from. The text, the text first. Right. I, you know, basically when I'm preaching, I'm giving you a public interpretation. Here's what I think this passage means. And then I'm trying to prove that from the text. So you'll hear me say things like, now look at this, or did you notice that? Or here's why Paul said that. Or I might even give my interpretation and say, hey, here's this point. And then might even say, now you might wonder where, do, where does he get that from? Well, look, here it is right here in the text. Then later, just to confirm that this is not only defensible from the text, but it also conforms to the rest of Scripture, I might bring in some cross-references. But the cross-references, the goal of the cross-references in our study are to add clarity or illustrate some kind of point, okay? So, so I'm going here and saying, okay, this is the interpretation of the passage, but then I'm flipping over to this cross-reference. That confirms this is a biblical doctrine. And it adds clarity to help me understand that biblical doctrine better. So to use it in a, like a broader sense, is that what you're talking about? You're using it to get a more of a broad theological theme rather than this is what this text is saying because this is the text I'm in. Right. So if I go to a cross-reference and the cross-reference confirms that the doctrine that I'm preaching is in the Bible, that's, that's good. It means I'm not preaching something that's not in the Bible, but it doesn't confirm that what I'm teaching is actually in the text. So if I, if I say this passage in the Gospel of John is teaching the doctrine of divine election, and then I go to Romans 9 and explain the doctrine of election from Romans chapter 9, I will be theologically accurate, but I will not have done the job of proving that the Gospel of John is talking about election and I will have brought out the nuance, nuances on election from Romans 9, not the nuances on election from John, for instance. So I really preached election from Romans 9, not from the Gospel of John, right? So sometimes that can be helpful because there are people who are like, election, no way. I don't believe that. So you go to Romans 9, so maybe there's a clearer passage, and you just say, hey, look, here it is. Right, moving, moving from a clear text. Right. So you go to the clearer text and say, okay, this confirms, this is a biblical doctrine, but then you have to go back to the gospel of John in this example and say, now that all that we just learned, let's look at how that's here too. Um, but if you're going to interpret a passage, you have to interpret that passage. <laughs> it has to come from that text. Right. And then, so how do I work from there now? So I'm, I'm trying to draw out some implications from the text, right? Because that's right. right. So you're saying, what does it say? What's it mean? And then how do I apply it? So, so how do I work towards that next step where I'm working towards meaning? Right. So the, the next step, we've talked about interpretation up to this point, 
The next step is what I would call meditation. Thinking about it, working through, thinking it over. What are the implications for my life? I now know what this passage means. Now, to use the illustration of James 1, I want to use it as a mirror on my life. What areas of my life do not conform to this? What areas of my life do I need to improve on this? Where is my faith weak in this area? Are there areas in my life where I'm failing to trust this promise from God? Those are the kind of questions I think a lot of believers don't get to. They just keep moving. And if you really want to have deep implications of Scripture that are going to lead implications of Scripture, that's basically, okay, now that I know what it means, what does it require for my life, right? The implications of Scripture are the principles that we draw from the truth of Scripture. Implications lead to convictions. Okay, oh, now I know what this passage requires from all of life. Now I've got some convictions to live by because I'm going to live this passage out. And we need whatever your convictions are, that's going to drive your life. Well, if you want to get to that stage where you're able to look at a passage, develop some convictions from that passage, it requires careful thought and prayerful meditation just thinking it through, meditating on those things and asking lots of questions of of your own heart and going back to the text and asking more questions of the text. In a lot of ways, I want to be careful here, but in a lot of ways, the interpretation of the text is the easy part. You can figure out what the text means. It's then meditating on it and developing the implications of the passage that are going to inform your faith and drive your life that's where the real blind spots are. You know, I can have all these principles, and if I ask you, do you believe this doctrine, this doctrine, this doctrine, and you could be like, yes, but then there's an area of your life that's not conforming to that. Why? Because there's a blind spot you have there. So usually our blind spots are in this area of the implications, the principles, uh, and that's why it's so important to spend time meditating on Scripture, filling your mind with the truth, Uh, letting the word of Christ dwell richly, not only in the midst of the congregation, but in the midst of your own mind. How much time are you spending in that meditation session versus your time in interpretation? And again, it it probably depends on the text. It does depend on the text because there are some texts that are really hard to interpret and some texts that are more straightforward. So it varies. And then also the way my mind works is that once I've done the study on the passage and I'm thinking through, okay, how, what are some implications I want to draw? And this is not just for preaching a sermon. This is Everybody should be doing this in their study. You, you should be walking away saying, I know what this passage means, and I know what it requires in my life. Everybody should be doing that. And so, I mean, I, you know, there will be times when I, like I said, I'll be driving down the road, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, wait a minute, here's, a, here's an implication of this passage, and I'll have to pull over and start writing stuff up or typing. I remember one time I was playing golf with some guys and all of a sudden I was just in between shots thinking about these things. And I was just like, guys, you go on, I'm going to have to catch up with you. And I had to, I wanted to capture these things because I had some clarity in my own thinking. And, but usually that, that meditation stage, really thinking through the principles of it, it can often require more thought, energy, and time than even the exegesis and the interpretation of the passage. Uh, It's not uncommon for me to be able to say, I know what Paul meant when he wrote this day one of study, and then it's not till 
days later that I've been praying and thinking and trying to work through it uh, as a shepherd that I'm able to say, okay, here are some helpful implications this passage has for my life and now for my people's life. I can explain that. Yeah, and I think that's a part that a lot of times, you know, I've, I've missed in my own study where you'll get through and maybe maybe not in study per se, but you're reading your Bible plan, right? And you're going through and you're reading it and you're doing that, but you're just you're just trying to get through it and you're really not spending the time yep. to really understand what how that applies. Yep, and I think there's room for both. Um, I do both. In the morning, I get up with my breakfast and coffee and uh, I read through my annual Bible reading plan and that's pretty quick and that's me getting through it. Um, and that's helpful to me because I want to constantly be having the whole context of scripture before me. You know, I just want to know what the Bible says in the same way that some of the dear, uh, more seasoned saints in my life do. Or, you know, you read about these Puritans that just, you know, John Bunyan, it was said, Spurgeon said of him that if you pricked him, he would bleed bibline. In other words, he knew the Bible so well from cover to cover that he was just always thinking. I mean, Christ, when he was on the cross, He's, he's writhing in physical pain, and the way he expressed that pain was by quoting Scripture. It was just that deep into him. So I constantly want to immerse myself in Scripture, even broadly that way. So I'll read through it, and I, and I know what I read through, but I don't know that I observe every detail when I do that reading. But I think every believer should be doing something like that, but then also have specific passages or studies that they are doing that takes them deeper into the principles of scripture. I don't think it's one or the other. I think it should be, I think it should be both. And sometimes people be like, man, I don't know if I have time for that. I just ask those people, are you watching more than one television series at a time? Right. And what, and, and also just even if you, you know, I've said this before and I, I try to do it in my own life. When you read a text of scripture, and even if you're trying to go through, like you're saying, get the whole counsel of God, you're trying to read through the Bible in a year, just leave that time with something to chew on. It doesn't have to be the whole entire thing you just read. Just leave there with something that you can you can think through throughout the day. Yeah. I think that we need to think about God, think about his truth more than we do. Our default meditation is so worldly. And I think the church has made a huge mistake by defining worldly as only the most vile sin that there is, when in fact worldly is anything that's attached to this world and prioritizes the things of this world over Christ. And so many of our thoughts, it's not wrong to think about the things of this world, but to constantly have our thoughts saturated with things that are going to burn up in the final judgment it's such a waste of the minds that God has given to us, and it's what leads to a lot of the sinful patterns in our life. We've talked about interpretation, meditation. The third step is, is what I would call implementation. you got to put it to use. If you hear the word and don't believe it and obey it, it has a hardening effect in your life, which is why you now have to take what you've learned from Scripture You've examined your life according to it, and now you need to believe what it says and believe it in the kind of practical and active way that leads to you obeying what it says, trusting in the promises of God, taking the commands of God seriously, uh, prioritizing his truth in your life, and, and valuing what God says more than your sin. Uh, you've you've got to put these things to work, and sometimes that's hard. 
you know, you get convicted over something and maybe it's a relationship with somebody that you've got to go ask forgiveness or, or you got to humble yourself in that, or maybe you need to confess sin or whatever it might be. You've got to, when the scriptures convict you, you've got to act on that conviction with humility, faith, and obedience. And you've got to put it to use. I love the example of Ezra, Ezra 7.10. It says, Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord, so he studied it intently. And then it says, and to do it, he obeyed it faithfully, and then finally to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. I find that there are a lot of believers out there that want to get to the third step of that, teaching, influencing. I'm going to share this on Facebook. I'm going to write my own blog. I'm, I'm going to tell these people what they should think about this. And I want influence. I want to teach that Sunday school class. I want to do that. But when you look at your, their lives, it's like, well, wait a minute. You skipped step one and two of making it your life's aim to know the scripture and then making it your life's aim to obey the scripture. And then you've got the kind of credibility to be able to teach it and influence others. It's James 1. Not many of you should be teachers because this is what it takes. And there's a stricter judgment if you don't take that seriously. Also, you know, don't be just a hearer. Right. We have to be doers of the word. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about. Even, you know, I think somebody who believes in the sovereignty of God and then, you know, they're afraid. Maybe they have anxiety to drive in the car because they don't know whether they're going to make it to their destination or they're afraid because they were in an accident before, but they're not trusting God and his sovereignty in that moment, but they believe that God is sovereign. And those are kind of just putting, it's putting what you, what you say, you know, what, what the text has said, right. Med- having meditated on and understanding that there's implications. And now I have to actually believe it and live it out. I have to put my theology to work in everyday situations. And, um, a lot of times that means self-denial. You know, I have to deny my own, intuitions. I have to deny my own reactions. I have to deny my own preferences and opinions. And I have to submit to the principles of scripture. It is uh, grievous to me as a pastor. How many times uh, I talk to individuals about a certain situation and ask, well, what does the Bible have to say about this? And they say, I haven't thought about that. Or I'll ask somebody, what are the biblical principles that are driving your decision? And they say, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that I could list them out. That, uh, that is unhelpful, and that betrays a heart that is not really driven by trying to please the Lord. That that's the kind of heart that that whether it's naive or malicious, uh, it in either case it's sinful, uh, because the desire is self pleasure rather than to please the Lord. Everybody should be trying to get to that place where their life is constantly driven by biblical principles. And the way that you learn these biblical principles is by sitting under the preaching of God's word, being in solid discipleship relationships, and studying the Bible intently on your own. Um, That's what believers should be doing because this is, listen, the reason why people don't read the Bible the way that they should is not because they don't have enough time. It's because their lives aren't centered around biblical truth. If, If they were intent upon living their life according to the principles of God's word, then they would be getting into the scriptures to get clarity on it so their lives would be centered around the truths that God has revealed to us. Well, thank you, Paul. I appreciate uh, this discussion and look forward to our time together. And as you guys have questions, we're 
comments about what you've heard or you have questions or topics that you'd like us to bring up on our podcast, please submit them to the church office and let us know. So thanks again, brother. Thanks, Jared.